In the name of the crucified one, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. On Tuesday this week at our cathedral, there was an annual time of worship called the Chrism Eucharist. And at that service, some, some of the people who make up the Anglican Diocese of Perth reaffirm their baptismal calling and clergy reaffirm the vows which we take for the particular role we have been set aside for amongst the priesthood of all believers. And also at that service, the Archbishop takes olive oil, ordinary olive oil, and balsam, a sweet liquid form resin, and sets them aside and blesses them for use across the diocese for anointing the sick, anointing those who are baptised, as well as those who are confirmed or ordained. And the Archbishop made the point in her homily that part of how we witness to the presence of God is pointing out how the ordinary becomes extraordinary. The ordinary becomes extraordinary when God's life moves into something in a particular way, like a little window into heaven. And that got me thinking about wood and nails. Ordinary wood and nails. Things that have been used since God knows when, and certainly at least as long back as when Moses was playing full forward for Jerusalem. I could picture Jesus in his early years going about with wood and nails and building and fixing stuff. I thought of the builders on the street over the back fence from the church using wood and nails in the frame for a new house. And there, wooden nails are used to make something potentially quite wonderful, a home. The significance of those ordinary things, wood and nails, is transcended in helping to make a home. But today... We remember that the raw materials of the world, like wood, can be used for altogether darker purposes, creating a tool for torture and execution. And very soon we will bring into our midst such a tool, a cross. And I recalled reading somewhere once a reflection on the significance of Christians going around our streets wearing crosses around their necks. And the point was made that you would probably think it was really odd if you saw someone accessorising themselves with little electric chairs or little miniature gallows or some other form of execution... But we have become totally accustomed to wearing the cross, 
which was an instrument of torture and execution. Imagine if we were to bring into our midst a gallows with noose and put it in front of the table. I trust that would be suitably shocking to us. But that is, that is the impact that a cross would have had for centuries after Jesus lived. If Jesus' contemporaries saw a cross, they would probably remember the horrific sight of 2,000 people who had been crucified together in the first decade of the first century as the Romans brutally crushed a rebellion in Galilee. 2,000 crosses all together. They would remember that. But we are used to the symbol these days. We see crosses by the roadside and in cemeteries. For some who are sick or dying, holding a cross is one of the last forms of comfort when medical interventions have reached their limit and their end is drawing closer. And therein lies the paradox. The cross, the sign of the cross, does point to death. But more importantly, far more importantly, to Christ's victory on the cross. That what was intended by the powers of the time as a means of humiliation and defeating an adversary has become a sign of life, freedom, and the overcoming of all that is evil. It's a bold claim, to say the least. Scandalous to plant a cross in the middle of a worship space, remember a crucifixion, and call this day good. Good Friday. But we do, for very good reason. And there's all sorts of explanations for why that is, but I I bring your attention to just one for now. And that is, the cross stands as a witness that even in the worst sort of suffering, God is present. God is right there. Which means life and death have a meaning, a real meaning. And it's it's good to remember that in a year of more than well over two and a half million deaths from a novel coronavirus. In the midst of suffering, explaining it and rationalising it isn't particularly helpful. It's not. But Jesus on the cross doesn't do that. He doesn't offer an explanation. 
But he does offer his presence in the darkness. That in the darkness, Jesus is there. To be a companion for the journey, even through the valley of the shadow of death, and to show us the ordinary and mundane becoming extraordinary and sacred. There was a poet last century named Thomas Blackburn who put it very beautifully. He wrote, Because it says nothing reasonable, it explains nothing away. And just by gazing into darkness is able to mean more than words can say. The cross does say a whole lot about sin, death, love, forgiveness, goodness, evil, betrayal and redemption. But today, in this moment which follows, I simply invite you to take time to behold Wordlessly behold the cross, the symbol of our salvation, and let God's Spirit speak to you through it, however God wills.